Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, on us, as we gather around your holy and life-giving word. Speak to us again of your loving and saving ways. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our lesson this morning comes from Genesis 2 and 3 selected verses. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. Let us listen together for the word of God. On the day the Lord God made earth and sky, before any wild plants appeared on the earth and before any field crops grew, because the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land, though a stream rose from the earth and watered all of the fertile land. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because on the day you eat from it, you will die. God then looks for a helper suitable for the human and eventually creates woman from the human side. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you should not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, Do not eat from it and do not touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, You will not die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called the man and said to him, where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the snake tricked me, and I ate. God goes on to spell out the consequences of their actions. 
division between the woman's offspring and the snake and the struggle for both man and the woman in the days ahead. The text continues. The man named his wife Eve because she is the mother of everyone who lives. The Lord God made the man and his wife leather clothes and dressed them. The Lord God said, the human being has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, so he doesn't stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to farm the fertile land from which he was taken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You invited to pause for a moment to pray and reflect on the text. Amen. Take a deep breath. Or as a college classmate used to advise, in with the good, out with the bad. Breathe in, breathe out. As I watch photos from friends out west scroll across my screen, and as we hear accounts of those who've been diagnosed with COVID-19, I am reminded just how crucial our breath is, and how complicated it is, and how fraught, and how potent I've blurted to more than one of you over the past few weeks that I am weary from discussions of breath and breathing and that I never knew how worn out I would become with the word aerosols. So it is understandable, I guess, that all this breath and breathing talk has shaped how I hear this text right now. And I find myself asking, really, God, You want me to think about breath and breathing even more right now? Have you forgotten how much sleep I and others have lost over this very topic in recent months? Do you know how hard it is for all of us to catch our breath right now? This morning takes us to the beginning of another cycle with the narrative lectionary which places us in Genesis every September. And this year's beginning lands us in the second creation account. This account, as you may know, follows that grand first one where God speaks light and dark and life out of chaos. That one paints a cosmic scene where God's spirit hovers over the waters and God creates human beings in God's image to care for all that God calls into existence. The second account is quite literally more down to earth. Here God scoops up fertile soil and breathes life into the human There's a play on words here, Adam from Adamah in Hebrew, or human from humus, earthling from earth, as scholar Dr. Wilda Gaffney points out. Now, these two creation accounts do not contradict each other. We are created in God's image, and we are created from God's good creation, 
in which we dwell. And yet, we are not God. We are part of God's larger creation. You are soil to the soil you will return, God says later in chapter 3. But we are beloved soil, adored earthlings from the beginning. God creates the human and then creates Eden, the rich and lush garden in which God places the human, the very best spot in an already exquisite creation. And the human is given everything he could need except a partner. So from the human, God creates another half whom we come to know as Eve. All is well and good for a time. God partners with humanity in caring for and tending to creation. And the humans partner with one another. God invites them to enjoy everything in the garden except for that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you tell me that I can have every piece of chocolate in the store, except for that one Hershey's Kiss on the third shelf, which one do you think I will fixate on? Early on in the pandemic, when everything shut down, videos began to circulate from a fruit snack challenge on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. In case you didn't see it, parents placed fruit snacks or another tempting treat on the high chair tray in front of the child, and then they would tell the child to wait, that she could not eat it until the parent returned to the room. All while being filmed. Some children managed better than others, and their expressions and reactions were entertaining and very relatable. But after a while, I started to feel bad for these kids. Temptation is real no matter what age you are. And as we discussed in Bible study this past week, I'm not sure Adam and Eve need the snake's invitation to be tempted. They're told they can enjoy everything in the garden except that one tree. And tempted they are. And they take the bait and the bite. And the blame game begins. Now, I should be clear, I do not believe God is playing a game with humanity. This is not a cosmic or early version of the fruit snack challenge. This text is not written in real time. Genesis is not a play-by-play account. Scholars agree that Genesis is compiled and edited during or immediately following the Babylonian exile. The people of ancient Israel are trying to understand who they are in relation to the God who created and claimed them from the beginning. But as Dr. Gaffney reminds us, these sacred stories are written down by those who have witnessed the destruction of all they and their ancestors held dear, including the defeat of the nation, dismantling of the monarchy, burning of Jerusalem, and raising or flattening of the temple. They are trying to make sense of what went wrong. And they are trying to grasp what God holds in store for them in the years ahead. 
Somewhere, somehow, things broke down, relationships became adversarial, and the communion shared between God and humanity was all but ruptured. And throughout the centuries, the ruptures continued, and yet, as Adam and Eve discover, and as we will be reminded throughout the fall, God remains faithful. The humans lose their place in the garden, and yet God still places them on fertile soil. And that sacred breath, that breath that God blew into them at the very beginning, is still blowing in and out of them, still filling them with precious, holy life. Maybe they just need to remember that very crucial fact. Maybe they just need to remember how to breathe. More than four years ago, writer Omid Safi confessed, I think I have forgotten how to breathe. Or at least I've forgotten how to breathe properly. Perhaps it is a sign, he says, of how out of sync our lives are that so many of us have forgotten how to breathe. When I pay attention to my own breathing, I notice that my breaths are often shallow breaths, he says. The breath goes down to my throat and somewhere in my upper chest and then comes out quickly, immediately followed by another breath. He says, it's not that I am short of breath. This is how I've learned to breathe now. It is as if a constant stress and pressure is with me. We have to learn to breathe again. He continues, I am occasionally reminded of a beautiful line in the Bible, the gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter in the first verse, where Jesus prays to God, asking to be taught how to pray. Jesus asks not what to pray for. He does not pray for this or that. He asks how to pray. He says, I think we need similar instruction about breathing. Dear God, teach us how to breathe. Now, you wouldn't think that we would need lessons in breathing. When all is going according to plan, our brains take care of that without our having to do a thing. It's miraculous, really. And maybe it's just me, but I have found myself almost short of breath at times in recent months. As if I am floundering in the middle of a swimming pool just trying to keep my head above water. And Safi reminds me, and perhaps us, That the Bible begins with wind, breath, spirit hovering above the waters. We do not breathe air, he says. We breathe in spirit. In Arabic and Hebrew, languages that are so intimately connected with one another, the words for self and breath are linked. Nafs, nafas. We cannot be who we are, he says. We cannot become who we are intended to become without breathing properly. We cannot become truly human until the breath of God enters us and permeates every bone in our being. Genesis tells us the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. 
And my impulsive reaction to this text this week was, God, that is just not safe right now. This intimacy, this shared breath goes against everything we are being told is okay. And this inability to share space and breath and life is taking a toll on all of us. Now, I'm not saying that we should throw caution to the wind, that we should go around breathing in each other's faces, or that we should throw all of our newly purchased or created color-coordinated masks out. But I, for one, need to feel God's breath filling my lungs and my very being again. And when we cannot share the same intimate space and breathe the same air, we, or at least I, struggle to feel the connection between me and God, between me and the rest of God's beloved earthlings. And I suspect that at least some of you do too. When that shared breath seems to be in short supply, I find myself gasping and grasping for words. I wind up spending my limited shallow breath on frustration, defensiveness, accusation, despair, and blame. Adam and Eve do too. When God wanders through the garden enjoying the gentle evening breeze, he looks for his beloved earthlings, but they are hiding. When he calls out to them, Adam confesses that they have done what they should not have done, and they are afraid. I suspect that their hearts race and that their once deep life-giving breath has now become shallow and anxious. They quickly resort to finger-pointing. The snake made me do it. She made me do it. They use their sacred breath to blame, divide, and accuse. And God is sad. And God ushers them from the garden, but God does not take their lives. Instead, God tailors clothes for them and places them back on the fertile soil from which they were created. God takes them from Eden. But God does not take their breath away. I breathe more easily, gathered with other earthlings around me. But the breath of God still flows through me, through us, filling us with holy life no matter where we are. I know this in my heart of hearts. But when the world whirls and churns around me, when the blaming and the finger pointing erupt, when the garden is in complete disarray, it can be hard to remember that God is still with us, breathing life in and through us no matter where we are. Maybe a deep breath or two or 300 would help. Maybe I could use some breathing lessons from the one who gives me breath to begin with. The very one who gives me life itself. Let us pray. Teach us how to breathe beautifully. Teach us how to breathe truly. Teach us how to breathe deeply. Teach us how to breathe in spirit. Oh, Lord, teach us how to breathe again. Amen.